Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first installment of Hannah and Audrey's Movie Club. I'm here with Audrey Smith. And I'm here with Hannah Sharp. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about one of our favorite films that we watched recently um, by Akira Kurosawa. Called Hidden Fortress. Mm -hmm. This semester, we watched a slew of samurai films (coughs) and... um, Hidden Fortress was our absolute favorite. Why was it your favorite, Hannah? I don't know. Something about it really, like, struck a chord with me, I think. And especially because we watched so many samurai films this semester, I think this one really stood out in having a lot of differences between the other ones in, like, you know, what is the role of the samurai? What is the, like, overall plot and things like that? So I honestly just found it very intriguing. Yeah, I agree. I think that the story was really captivating, Mm -hmm. and I really liked how we had, like, a strong female character, which we really Mm -hmm. don't see in a lot of other samurai films, and she was, like, a really big part of the plot in general, so that's what I really liked about it. Yep, I totally agree. So, um, Akira Kurosawa was the director of um, Hidden Fortress in what was it, 1958? Yes. Yes, and he was a Japanese filmmaker and painter who directed 30 films in a career spanning over five decades, and he's widely regarded as one of the most important and influential filmmakers in the history of cinema, making, also notably, tons of samurai films. Yeah, we have um, Seven Samurai, we have Mm -hmm. Rashomon, we have uh, Yojimbo, all these mm-hmm. like very classic, well-known samurai films, and all of the films that we watched by him were in black and white, so mm-hmm. it really relied on, I feel like, the acting and yeah. the camera shots, and I think he's been an inspiration. Yeah. Well, that, that's one of my favorite things about Kurosawa's films, is like, he doesn't, he doesn't give anything away. Everything yeah. is like, show, not tell. You don't even need color to know what's going on. You don't even need color to be intrigued by the plot and the storyline and the Mm -hmm. characters. Like, everything is in the the plot and the acting and how the script is written, and it's awesome. And especially in this film... There, this was the first time that he started using like really wide mm-hmm. shots, and you can totally see that in how he uses that to tell the story and just combine like so much visual and like mm-hmm. I feel like everything he puts on screen is there for a purpose. Like he, it's like he doesn't leave anything. The out. word so I right. want to use for this is like his. All the shots are colorful, but it's yeah, black and exactly. white. Like that's the word I want to use. Like they're colorful, <laughs> they're beautiful. And I feel like in this scene that we're gonna talk about. I, even though it was in black and white, I can almost, like, f- see it in color. Feel, yeah, feel like, the yeah, colors. I, I do, though, and, and exactly. we'll, we'll get into that. Um, do you mm-hmm. want to talk about a little a little bit about the backstory of the plot? Yeah, so Hidden Fortress is a film where we're following this group of uh, men and a princess, Princess Yuki. Um, and essentially, we have three clans in the area, the Yamana clan and the... Akizuki was it? Yeah, Akizuki yeah. clan, and they're fighting. Mm-hmm. The Yamana clan wins, and they kind of take over the Akizuki territory. And obviously, they have their own territory. The Akizuki clan's princess, Princess Yuki, who's our strong female yes, we love lead her. here, mm-hmm. and um, she is trying to escape with her bodyguard and samurai. Yeah, and they have like all this gold. With so them. much. 
Like, the gold from their entire clan is essentially yeah. with them. Um, and is, like, in her care. Yeah. And they are trying to escape from Yamana territory. And in doing so, they run into two silly peasants. Yeah, they who are, are silly. <laughs> uh, I guess, like, hungry for riches, I would say. Yeah, they're definitely, like, their greed for gold knows absolutely no <laughs> bounds. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what makes them so silly, I think. I think so, too. And they're also, like, very expressive, and they, like, just bicker a lot, and they're really entertaining yeah. to watch. It's very entertaining. And so they come into contact with princess yuki and her kind of like bodyguard general um named makabe and that is played by a iconic yes iconic kurosawa actor who's in like all his basically all his films and they decide that they're gonna escape through yamana territory even though they're kind of like being looked for Mm -hmm. by the clan and Mm -hmm. um basically they go through like all these different little adventures and like almost get caught a bunch of times mm-hmm. but the scene that we're going to talk about is when they're in like a little Yamana village and they're trying to get through with this huge like almost comically large Comic- it is comically <laughs> like, large comically large like cart filled with all these like little like it's like little twiggy like sticks, sticks of wood mm-hmm. and all their gold is like hidden in the wood mm-hmm. and they're trying to get through and there's this huge like fire festival happening mm-hmm. and they get kind of caught up in the crowd of all these people with also like large yeah. amounts of wood. So it works out pretty nice for them because they're like, what the fuck do we do? The the like guards are all running around looking for a group of four people with a bunch of wood. Yeah, and everybody else but has like a bunch of wood. <laughs> everyone is carrying wood to this fire festival. Yeah, so they decide they're going to join in because that is the best way to look like inconspicuous mm-hmm. and into the crowd. Yeah, and they like come up to to the actual festival and it's just this huge bonfire of people burning all their wood and they kind of get uh they they realize that in order to not look suspicious they also have to throw all their wood in the mm-hmm. fire which has all their gold mm-hmm. in it yeah so this scene is just visually stunning yeah. it is a big turning point in the film um i think we'll even like it's about three quarters of the way through the yeah. film it's a big turning point in the plot a turning point in princess yuki's story mm-hmm. and in just like the story of, okay, how are we going to protect this gold? Um, so, yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about the the kind of purpose of this, of this scene and yeah. what we kind of found fun about this. Yeah. So, okay, let's start off with, um, first of all, all these characters are dressed in, like, disguise as townspeople. They're trying to blend in. Like, that's the whole mm-hmm. motivation characters. behind this point in the story. And they're trying to stay undercover, really. Mm-hmm. Um and uh it's we have all our characters in this scene we have uh makabe yuki and then we have the two peasants whose names are uh tai or tai and matashichi Mm -hmm. and then also all these townspeople who we don't know personally but like they're in all of these shots and also some of the the like guards and and yes some of the samurai looking for yeah our characters um and so obviously this is in the little yamana village Mm -hmm. that we said before and the whole shot is framed 
basically when they come up to this bonfire it you can see the entire circle of people like mm-hmm. surrounding this bonfire and like just throwing wood into the fire mm-hmm. and it's like a huge this is where his like wide set lens really yeah, comes into play the new wide lens and we were talking about this there's just like so many people packed into this like visual right which is kind of crazy and um I, I wouldn't. I want to say there's almost like a hundred people in there. But maybe maybe more. even more than that. Yeah. Because there's the drummers. There's the yeah. There's all the dancers. And the bonfire is like humongous. humongous. <laughs> I'm like wondering like how they filmed that. Even got it that like big. Yeah. Lots. It of must gasoline. have been hot in there. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering even like how did the gold not melt in there? That's where you That's... have to suspend disbelief a little. Bit. Uh, yeah, a little bit because I mm, would it. I I don't know what's the melting point of gold. We should know this. We, we should know uh, this. We're, we're both chemistry science minors. Majors. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what the melting point of gold is, but we're assuming that the gold bars didn't melt. Yeah. And basically the the camera is like showing all these shots. It's showing the big shot with like, you know, obviously the bonfire and the big circle of people like we said, but then also like all these dancers and it's also zooming in and following all of the characters we know and and their mm-hmm. like facial expressions right so what we kind of found interesting was like the pov that kurosawa puts us in during yeah. this scene like we have this with the wide lens we have this huge like onlooker pov where we're almost like as if we're supposed to be princess yuki yeah who's this sheltered princess looking at this crazy scene she's never seen anything like this mm-hmm. We as viewers have never seen anything like this, and we're looking at all of it at once. Yeah. It's, even though it's black and white, I would say colorful. Yeah. It's beautiful, it's huge, it's crazy, there's a lot going on, and that's our one POV, right? Yes. Our second POV is when Kurosawa puts our characters, each mm-hmm. one, one at a time, well, not one at a time, because the peasants are always together. Yeah, they're... Our boys. <laughs> yes. Um, they're always together, but we get a close-up of their faces, now, although there are, like, still, like, 20 people you can see in these shots, mm-hmm. your eyes don't even go there. Like, Kurosawa makes it very clear that we're supposed to be looking at our characters, yeah. and we can read exactly what they're thinking yeah. on their faces, which like, is really great. M- Mif- uh Mifune's character, the general, he is just, like, very, like, we said even, like, concerned. Like, mm-hmm. just trying to Focus. keep it all together. Like, he has the mission at, at hand, and he's just, like, focused on, like, keeping yes. Yuki safe. Yes. He looks <clears throat> very focused, and he's just, he looks like he's observing. Yeah. And just, like, but not observing in a, I'm enjoying this way, observing in a where's the danger way. Yeah, I think he doesn't even really care about the gold at this point. He's just, no. like, I need to keep track of the princess. And, like, I feel like he's also scanning for, like guards yeah scanning for danger and then yuki is like having the time of her life i think probably if you're a princess in in this time period you're not like engaging with large groups of commoners no you're not even really seeing commoners at all no and she's supposed to be one of the most common people you're seeing is like guards and yeah exactly like and they're not even common people no but and she is like having so much fun like she's dancing and she's singing. We're going to talk about what they sing in a little bit. But, like, she's totally invested in right. it. And even later in the movie, like, she talks about how that was really eye-opening for her. Right. And that's really interesting, like, coming from being a sheltered princess yeah. to, like, you can just read on her face how, yeah. like, 
entranced she is by everything and I feel like that's almost you know when Kurosawa gives us that wide lens shot with all the people in it we're supposed to feel that way too Mm -hmm. like whoa I'm entranced by this scene and I think that it says a lot it 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 says a lot about her character as well because she could be this like stuck up you know uh, elitist princess and Mm -hmm. be like kind of like oh this is beneath me (laughs) but she is like really like genuinely enjoying it and enjoying like the culture aspect of it well you can't forget that she's literally a child yeah so she's like a teenager yeah um and then and then the two peasants that they have with them oh my gosh this part made me laugh out loud when when they show their faces because like we said all they care about is that gold. i wish i wish we could show our faces <laughs> through podcast form yeah. because it is i would do in uh, a, a little, really good enactment of a it. really good enactment it's so funny it's the most like they are twisting their yeah. faces into the weirdest most eccentric facial expressions like when would you ever make the face that they were making maybe like when i opened the first page of of my exam <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, what is happening? Oh my god, I, they are just like. I was looking... gonna say someone just told me about the the one of the mouse traps in their house caught a mouse, oh and god. I was like, that was the face I was making when they told me yeah. that. I was like, oh. they're just like looking at the fire, like absolutely horrified and terrified, like, horrified, disgusted, <laughs> miserable, miserable. Because they're like, oh my god, all our gold <laughs> is like in there. We're poor, again. and that's their whole motivation. The whole yeah. film is just yeah. gold. That's their motivation. Um, And so, and we also said, like, when Kurosawa is giving us those little, like, vignettes of the characters' faces, it's kind of like the POV of, like, the the guards looking for them, too. Because they're they're scanning the crowd. But they don't know that they're, I mean, they're so well disguised that they're not gonna. Well disguised. Princess Yuki stands out like a. Yeah, her eyebrows. We We don't know how she's fitting in, but. She is, somehow. Yeah, she's got, like, a little, like, tomboy outfit on. Yeah. But her eyebrows are a little crazy. Yeah. But, like, I love her eyebrows. I love her. I want to start, like, doing my eyebrows. Please don't. <laughs> Please spare me. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, and then let's talk about the sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. The sound in this scene is absolutely awesome. Again, like, the same thing that we talked about with, like, the framing and the shots mm-hmm. is Kurosawa just puts so much yeah. into this film. He's like, what happens if I just put everything into this shot and you know what it works so well it does it like i would say this is probably the scene that stood the most out to me and it was simply because throughout the whole movie we're not really seeing that many people Mm -hmm. like there's a few shots where we do but like this was one where he literally just jam-packed everyone in there and jam-packed sound in there too yeah and so they're like it's a festival they're all singing around this fire Mm -hmm. and like chanting and there's drums and actually what they're singing is like very significant to the moment i feel like do you want to read the script yeah i'll read the script so the little song that they sing reading the the translation it says the life of a man burn it in the fire the life of an insect throw it into the fire when you realize the world is dark life is just a dream lose yourself yeah that's that's what they're chanting as they dance and sing around the fire what do you think about that (laughs) well we talked about this a little bit but um like the the samurai like the whole way that a samurai conducts their life is very like zen and like stoic Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. like has like buddhist ties to it i feel like and i think that the message of this song is very much like you know like 
lose yourself in life and like you don't really need things that are like material to to be like a person and be alive and that like completely mirrors this whole like what's actually happening under the cover Mm -hmm. of the Mm -hmm. festival like all even like just paradoxes it or whatever yeah like all their gold is burning up in the fire lose it in the fire right the the life of a man throw it in the fire all of your gold for the entire clan Throw it, it in, in the, the fire. fire. <laughs> it's all gone. And I don't think that the peasants get that at all. I don't think they're listening to the song at all. No. They're, just like, they're freaked the fuck out. Yeah. And I think that um, Mifune's character definitely values Yuki's life over mm-hmm. that gold. But I think that Yuki is totally seeing, like, I have a title and I'm a princess and I have all this gold. Right. But right now I have none of that. Yeah. And I'm still, like, living. Living life. And, like having like an awesome time exactly and yuki really is like really taking these lyrics to heart and she even Mm -hmm. repeats the lyrics later on in a very touching moment in the film when she's caught yeah by the by the yamana clan and you know that just goes to show how important these lyrics are and the whole like festival overall overall is to her and like in that moment when she is caught later in the film and she recites this like she thinks she's gonna die Mm -hmm. but she was like oh, I got to experience, like, being, like, a real person for once Mm -hmm. and, like, all these things that are affecting me right now, like, as long as I got to experience that, like, I'm content in a way. Right. Like, she was ready. Exactly. She's like, I've experienced these things. I have lived life. I've thrown all my gold into the fire. Yeah. I have thrown everything that matters to me into the fire and I'm happy with that. Yeah. And, like, the the whole thing is kind of, ironic in a way because their whole vessel of like transporting the gold was wood and also burns in the fire yeah and like wood is very like tangible but also like it it can go once you burn it it's gone exactly yeah exactly so after watching this scene well first of all obviously this is like an inspiration for the star wars and George Lucas's Star Wars. Yeah, so let's let's transition a little. Yes. We so, love the scene. Now, how can we, we transition were, this we film were, overall? We were trying to think, like, what scene in the first Star Wars kind of mimics this yeah. one in Hidden Fortress. And I don't really know if there there is a scene, but the first thing that came to my mind, just in, like, the sense of, like, how is this scene filmed like who's in it stuff like that Mm -hmm. it really reminded me of that first scene when they go into the bar um you know it's luke the droids and um ben kenobi and they're going to look for um han solo Solo. yeah so they go into this bar and it just reminded me a lot of this scene because we have we have luke skywalker here who in this way is kind of like princess yuki yeah because he has never seen something like this he's Mm -hmm. been pretty sheltered he's been living with his uncle right he's now learning to go be you know a a jedi yeah but anyway he comes into this bar we george lucas has fucking jam-packed oh yeah not even people jam-packed all organisms in there all kinds of aliens and Mm -hmm. like weird Mm -hmm. looking like things everything (laughs) it's jam-packed every shot has like Tons of people going back and forth across the screen, things like that. The music is going off. Again, with the we have all diegetic sound with the music in the bar, people talking, people Mm -hmm. yelling, people screaming. And the music in that scene is like very iconic. Oh my god, yeah. 
um what's it called like star wars fans like everyone knows that, no that i scene's music. i haven't even watched star wars until like this year and i've known that music since like i was a child because of yeah. lego star wars oh, yeah. on the wii like listen i'll listen to that song when i'm like walking to campus almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so good it's so catchy yeah um and then um i feel like it's it's interesting that we thought of luke as princess yuki there yeah because in the star wars i get that like princess leia is supposed to be like princess yuki mm-hmm. but in like in relation to this scene like luke is the one that's experiencing all these right. like new environments and princess leia is kind of like still like sheltered through it all i feel like yeah i agree with that like yeah she's exposed to war and like mm-hmm. violence but she really is sheltered from like common people yeah she's like culture right right and and you know luke is kind of like yuki in this sense mm-hmm. where he's been thrown into this you know crazy new situation and it's just eye-opening yeah. for him i mean even when they blow up princess leia's like entire planet she's kind of like <laughs> she's oh my like god no <laughs> well anyway <laughs> she's like no okay what's next moving yeah. on so and um you said something really interesting which was it reminded you of midsummer it did, yeah. I was trying to think of, like, what other movies have I seen that have scenes that kind of remind me of this? And the first thing that came to mind was Midsummer. Mm-hmm. If anyone has seen that film also, it is... Uh, how do I describe okay. it? It's kind of like... If you want to go there, I would say it's like it's like a good for her movie, but it's like also good. Extreme, oh my god! Also no. like extremely Let's graphic. Be, please take viewer discretion. 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 <laughs> take viewer discretion if you're going to watch that film. But anyway, yeah. there's a scene in that film where they're doing like this this flower festival almost, mm-hmm. and it's we have the main character and she gets pulled into this festival. Yeah. Um. You know, she's reluctant at first. She's never seen anything like this. She doesn't know what's going on. But the whole time, she's just smiling and enjoying it and just yeah. being like, I'm here dancing. They're dancing in a circle around, like, a centerpiece. Oh, yeah. So and, many, and there's, like, tons of people packed in. Tons of people, too. yeah, exactly. And then at the end, there's, like, without giving anything away, there's, like, a huge bonfire. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same thing. Like, it's it's almost like a little community um of people there and they are like having this huge bonfire and they're chanting too right and we're saying like that in that film and in hidden fortress Mm -hmm. that kind of like like festival and even bonfire is like representative of almost like a rebirth Mm -hmm. where like our main character in midsummer is kind of like going through this rebirth period into like a new woman and then yuki in our hidden fortress Right, like she's going from being this sheltered child to yeah. someone who values life and someone who really like understands culture and that's Appreciates important, right? Too. And that's important for her role when she gets like back to the safe place. She's gonna be the only one left in her clan. Yeah. She has to rule her clan. Yeah, we were talking about that. I mean, everything that she knows is gone. Her whole clan. I mean, like literally other than herself i'm assuming her parents are murdered or executed at least they wanted to execute her like there's nobody left and when she goes back into safety and kind of reestablishes herself and her clan with all her gold um (laughs) they they get her gold back (laughs) yeah spoiler alert spoiler uh (laughs) there's a happy ending Um, but i this rebirth is kind of like 
which starts at this festival is something she's going to carry into her leadership and I think is going to be like not only a rebirth for her but like a rebirth for the clan and maybe like change how she thinks about how she's going to approach uh you know being like the spearhead of of this new like political clan party right whatever right and I think that this scene this fire festival scene is the turning point for that for her at least her yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so I don't know do you and do you have anything else to say about it no I mean it was a great scene and a great film do you want to do a little a little uh rating a little recommendation rating all right hidden fortress what do we think about characters I think that give it out of 10 okay out of 10 honestly oh you know what i rated this on letterbox did you yeah i think okay. i gave it like a f- four four stars maybe four and a f- half Is that out, out of out of five, five. okay so i think on, on a 10 scale it would probably be like a solid like either seven and a half or eight for me like i just overall really loved this movie yeah overall yeah and i really loved this movie too i think i would agree seven and a half is yeah. what i would say i just like Everything was a yes for me. Like, characters, mm-hmm. scene, camera, plot, plot like, yeah. sound, everything was a yes. Honestly, it was really, really beautiful to watch. Oh, yeah. Oh, I had this question for you. When okay. um, when we were talking about color, which color or, or colors, like, were you getting out of the scene, like, specifically? The fire scene? Yeah, yeah that's a really interesting question. Because I was thinking about that. Okay. I want to see what you think. I, this is really random. I don't really know if I have an explanation for this, but I picture Princess Yuki wearing light green. Really? And isn't that weird? Yeah, I, I don't know why. I like that, though. I picture her wearing light green, and I picture overall the scene being this, like, deep blue-red vibe yeah. overall. So we have the fire being, like, bright yellow and mm-hmm. orange, but overall the background's, like, deep red-blue. Yeah. But I picture all the people as, like, almost green. And I feel like that kind of relates even to, like, the rebirth yeah. thing. Like, green is, like, That's really life. interesting. It kind of, like, represents life. And I don't know. That's just, like, no, in I my like brain that. I picture that. Even if it's not, like, specific, it's, like, I see the people as, like, green. Well, isn't that the cool thing about watching stuff in black and white? You can kind of, like, put your own colors to Yeah, it exactly. I guess I, I totally get the green thing because I think, for me, what I picture her wearing is, like, yellow. Oh, interesting. And I feel like yellow and green are very, like, passive colors. Yeah. Almost. Like, innocent colors, maybe. Yeah, that's but a good way to put it. But I definitely got, like, a red color mm-hmm. from, like, the, the overall. Moth. I mean, yeah. obviously it's fire, but I don't know. I just felt like when I was watching it, I could really, like... It just when I re- when I think of it and remember it, I'm like, oh yeah, red, red, and mm-hmm. and dark blue too. Red and dark blue, those are my two. Yeah, yep. Because it was. And then I saw like Princess Yuki stands out like a sore thumb. She's green. Oh yeah. I you see- think yellow, but <laughs> to me, she's green. I like the green. I like that. Yeah, like it would a, be interesting. Like a pretty lime forest yeah. green, almost. Yeah, it would be interesting to see if they like remastered this and had like. I'd like to go color. ask Kurosawa myself what color. Well, he's he dead. would choose. <laughs> he uh, well, dead. <laughs> if I could bring back one person from the dead, it would be him. We'll ask him about this film. I feel like he would, he would respond to you and be like, uh, "That's like up to like that's the whole point of it being." I mean, obviously, like it had to be in black and white, but I feel like he would be like, 
that's the whole point of it having no color <laughs> so that you can interpret it yourself you can interpret it yourself exactly yeah i don't know do you have any other thoughts exactly. on on the scene the film anything hmm, i think we kind of hit all the I all the so good too. points definitely watch this movie yes this is a recommendation it's everyone on, go watch hidden fortress yeah it's on hbo max we loved it yes yes and please feel free to leave a like and a comment yes. comment and tell us your favorite samurai film or your favorite kurosawa film we mm-hmm. love to hear that and which one we should review next and donate <laughs> <laughs> okay okay bye, bye. we'll see you next time <laughs> bye